0: So sit tight, buckle up, and let's get started on today's podcast. Just before we jump in, today's podcast is brought to you by my premium coaching program, Lean Gut Mind Method. In this busy world, women struggle to prioritize their health and they constantly find themselves frustrated with a lack of results. Lean Gut Mind Method coaching service provides expertise, personalization, and a proven system of tools so that women find themselves empowered to live their best lives in a body that they choose. If you're a female who struggles with weight loss, emotional eating, and poor gut health, and you're ready to change once and for all, let me and my team help you. Lean Gut Mind Method is the last nutrition program you will ever need to invest in, and the first program you will see lasting results from. Let us show you the way. Apply for my premium one-on-one coaching program at www.leangutmindmethod.com. I'm so excited to bring you today's women's health and PCOS expert, dietitian Lacey Duck. Lacey has a master's in nutrition, a bachelor's in dietetics, is a certified personal trainer and a functional medicine nutrition specialist in training. Lacey helps clients through an evidence-based yet functional medicine lens that focuses on her clients' lifestyle, history, and specific health needs. She works with them to help her clients reclaim their health and happiness and feel like their best selves. On today's podcast, Lacey and I chat all things PCOS. We start by chatting about what exactly PCOS is and how how it gets diagnosed. We then discuss the different types of PCOS and how their management styles may differ. We talk about natural and holistic ways to heal PCOS with an evidence-based approach, of course. We focus on diet and lifestyle strategies for PCOS and which supplements Lacey uses finally we do a fact versus fiction on PCOS and end with the link between gut health and PCOS don't forget to pause this podcast and hit subscribe as the more subscribers we get the higher in the charts we rank thank you guys so much for your support and if you'd like to follow Lacey on social media she's at at faith and fit and her website is upliftfitnutrition.com now let's get into today's podcast on PCOS with Lacey Welcome back to the podcast, Lacey. We're so excited to have you back on the podcast chatting all things PCOS today. Thank you so much for having
1: me on. I'm so excited. PCOS is one of my favorite things to talk about. So you guys get ready. We're
0: going to get nerdy. (laughs) And if you guys didn't hear the first podcast Lacey and I did together, it was just a really great introduction to hormones and thyroid and metabolism. So please go back and listen to that one first. And then we're going to jump straight into this one, Lacey, and start by telling our listeners at home. What is PCOS? Um, I'm sure there are many listeners at home who haven't heard of it or they're just not really sure exactly what it is.
1: Yeah, so PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it is one of the most common diagnoses given to women with an abnormal menstrual cycle. So PCOS is actually like an umbrella diagnosis. And the reason I say this is because it's based off of three specific criteria called the Rotodam criteria. So you have to have two of the three following symptoms in order to be diagnosed with PCOS. One, abnormal menstrual cycle, which can be, you know, long cycles, short cycles, um, irregular menstrual cycles. And then we have two, hyperandrogenism, so high testosterone levels. So think oily skin, acne, increased facial or body hair, hair loss, deepening of the voice, aggression, okay? where um, it's also referred to as hirsutism. And then three, presence of polycystic ovaries confirmed on ultrasound. So that was one, abnormal menstrual cycle, two, high testosterone, three, presence of polycystic ovaries. Now the struggle with this is actually, we as women naturally have polycystic ovaries. So the follicles in our ovaries, they grow monthly, they form cysts. And then, you know, we have our little cyst rupture and our eggs go into our uterus. And then obviously, yeah, so we have our menstrual cycle, right? So go back to those three criteria. So then that leaves us with, okay, all women can have polycystic ovaries, Well, if you have an abnormal menstrual cycle for any reason, you already have two of those criteria and can be slapped with the PCOS diagnosis. And the struggle and problem is that PCOS is referred to as the hyperandrogenism, the high testosterone. And so women get slapped with this PCOS and if they do not know better, then they try and treat themselves like they have high testosterone and insulin issues and blood sugar issues. And then they need to quote unquote lose weight in order to get that regulated. And that might not be the case. So that PCOS diagnosis is just a complete umbrella, in my opinion, BS diagnosis. And it does not actually get to the root cause of why you have an irregular menstrual cycle.
0: Absolutely. And there are many different types of PCOS, isn't it? It's not like that we've got three women standing in front of us all with PCOS. They're not exactly the same, are they? And you wouldn't treat them exactly the same.
1: No, there's no one PCOS protocol. There's know one PCOS disease there's only a cluster of symptoms so there's four main types we have insulin resistance PCOS which includes the androgen dominant PCOS and then we also have of course your adrenal and your post pill and your inflammatory PCOS so each PCOS has its own issue it needs to have its own treatment you wouldn't. you if somebody had high testosterone levels you would treat that but if Maybe somebody has adrenal issues and that's the root cause of their PCOS. Well, they may not have high insulin levels and high testosterone.
0: Would you treat them the same way? Heck no. Absolutely. And then in terms of, I guess, the differing types of PCOS, what is the the one that's like the main one or is there one that's sort of more common than the other types?
1: Nowadays, post-pill PCOS is most common, honestly. So women who have um, irregular menstrual cycles after coming off birth control or they don't get their cycle after coming off birth control for months on end. So that would be the most common that I see nowadays. Um, Beforehand, the most common was, you know, it was the androgen dominant. So I think it really depends on the situation, but I'm seeing a lot of the post-birth control syndrome right now, the post-pill PCOS. And I think the main issue is not only when women are coming off of birth control, they're not actually replenishing their nutrients and focusing on that liver detoxification. But it's also a combination of, you know, a lot of these endocrine disruptors in our day-to-day life and then stressful uh, life situations like COVID that's being thrown at everybody. And so it's just becoming a vicious storm for further havoc
0: to hormones. Mm, Absolutely. And knowing that you're an evidence-based practitioner, which I love, but also you work with sort of natural and holistic ways as well. What would be some natural and holistic ways that we could look at, I guess, healing PCOS or improving symptoms of PCOS, which are of course backed by, you know, evidence and science as well?
1: Yeah. So I always like to say, test and figure out like, what is your root cause of your PCOS first, right? So check your testosterone levels, check your insulin levels, check your adrenal glands. Um, but in general, you know, things that you could do are to fix your diet, avoid refined carbohydrates, added sugars, processed vegetable oils and trans fats, then fill up your plate. Half of fruits, half of vegetables, lots of color. Uh, only eliminate what you need to eliminate So I'm all about less restriction as possible. If you haven't food intolerance, stay away from those foods, but otherwise get as much nutrients as possible. And I think that's another thing that's a myth with PCOS is, oh, stay away from carbohydrates. No, Mm -hmm. carbohydrates are your best friend. They're your body's preferred source of fuel. If you have high insulin levels, then yes, you want to monitor your blood sugar. You want to be careful with your carbohydrates, but that doesn't mean no carbohydrates. That doesn't mean go keto. So make sure your diet is as flexible as it can be. And as it vari- has as much variety as it can. Focus on balancing your blood sugar, regardless of what type you have, because that's important. We don't want cortisol to go up and down. Like just in the, the last podcast we did, we talked about cortisol and how when you have that drops in that blood sugar, cortisol is going to spike up. And what is bad with cortisol? It causes entire health havoc if it's high. Mm-hmm. So we don't want that happening. Um, I also heavily do like, uh, when it comes down to supplementation, myo-inositol. So it is heavily connected with the brain to ovary communication and it does help with progesterone levels as well it is an ingredient that has been extensively researched mm-hmm. for being one of the best things that women for PCOS can take so my inositol with d-chiro inositol you take like five to six milligrams five to six grams per day that's I, I suggest that for every single type of PCOS Amazing. make sure also you know you're replenishing all your multivitamins um, all your vitamins and minerals so make sure you don't have low magnesium b6 zinc you know, there are so many things that could be deficient. Vitamin D. So got to make sure that you are optimizing the nutrition of your life.
0: Mm, Definitely. And I want to be very clear with our listeners at home when you say sort of with the supplementation and that sort of thing, particularly for the vitamins and minerals, that's if they have clinical deficiencies in them, isn't it? Not just randomly taking vitamin D and zinc and iron just because they think that because they have PCOS, they should be supplementing with these things. It's right. only because of a clinical deficiency, isn't it?
1: Always, always, always. Like I said, the myonositol, it's going to be safe for every single type of PCOS, but you should be fig- trying to figure out like what's going on. You should always be doing testing. Always. I say once a year, always be doing testing and figuring out what your labs look like.
0: Mm-hmm. And in terms of diet for PCOS and nutrition, you mentioned strategies, which we would Consider for any person, even if they didn't have PCOS, it's just a general healthy diet. Is that the baseline for every type of PCOS? Should just be a general healthy diet to begin with, and then some level of personalization, um, working you know one-on-one with someone like a dietitian.
1: Yes, exactly. So everybody should be focusing on a general healthy diet. So focusing on half of your plates, fruits and vegetables, a fourth protein, a fourth carbohydrate. If you are a high-intensity workout type of queen, more carbohydrates for you diet should always be personalized in my opinion, but it should always be a focus on healthy foods and do not restrict a food. Just because Karen from work said you had PCOS and needed to stay away from dairy, you don't need to stay away from dairy unless you have specific intolerances to it.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's the one question that I get asked the most is, Hey Leanne, you know, love what you do. I have PCOS. What should I be eating? And I think that, I think a lot of people diagnosed with PCOS sort of feel like they have to follow these particular diets or cut out these particular things. And there's so many just like charlatans online selling their PCOS diets. I'll heal your PCOS, just eat my diet. And it's overly restrictive. And what I don't like is that they put, I know they put all PCOS sufferers in the in the same box and it's like, you should all be eating this diet or should all be on low carb or keto. But I think what a lot of people don't understand is that the basis to healing your PCOS starts with a good, healthy diet. And that's for every human, regardless of whether you have PCOS or not, isn't it?
1: Yes, and my issue even more so is PCOS. Um people with hypothalamic amenorrhea often get diagnosed with PCOS. Mm-hmm. So when you have hypoth- hypothalamic amenorrhea, aka HA, you have typically no menstrual cycle and it, it comes from things like anorexia, orthorexia, over exercising, under eating, low body fat. And if somebody gets diagnosed with PCOS with these issues and they're told to lose weight to skip mm-hmm. carbohydrates, um
0: You're compounding the issue.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then they're just causing even more issues. They're not going to get them anywhere closer to getting a menstrual cycle back. So I just hate the PCOS diagnosis. I really want to
0: change. Mm, absolutely. And for our listeners at home, if you're curious um, in terms of what HA is, what Lacey just mentioned, we've actually done a whole podcast on hey HA HJ with a sports dietitian, Amy Giannotti. So please go back and, and listen to that one. It is a great one. But I oh, guess something good. that you keep, yeah, yeah, something that you keep coming back to, Lacey, is really just that diagnosis to begin with. And you're sort of saying there's so many people who have. Been been misdiagnosed. And on the same hand, I have so many messages from people going, I think I have PCOS or my doctor thinks I have PCOS, but that's not something that we should think we should know. Isn't that correct? So it's so important to actually have that diagnosis correct in the first place and understand the type of PCOS that you have, isn't
1: it? Yes. You have to figure out the type. And I like to say go based off of symptoms and then test. So look back at high cortisol symptoms, right? Or you have blood blood sugar swings, or the orthostatic hypotension, waking up in the middle of the night, trouble sleeping, um, increased anxiety, depression. You know, look at all these symptoms for high cortisol. And you might want to do some, a four-point salivary cortisol test. And then look at markers of inflammation. Do you have a lot of joint pain, muscle aches? Do you have like a puffy face? How are you feeling on a day-to-day basis? Like get Test. Don't guess. Hundred percent.
0: Are there any tests? I guess that are your favourite to recommend for your PCOS clients that may not be done as part of, I guess, like standard blood testing that you might get from just your general medical practitioner.
1: I do tend to do the um, blood work first. I just do the the five to seven days before your cycle checking all those levels, like we said in the last podcast. And then Mm -hmm. um, same for the Dutch. I use the Dutch a lot with my ladies with PCOS as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also like using the Dutch cycle map because the cycle map will check how your hormones are fluctuating from day one all the way to the day of your cycle. So it can see if maybe somebody's dropping off their progesterone a little little lower, maybe they have a luteal phase defect, or maybe their estrogen is um, higher than it should be in the second phase of their cycle, causing them symptoms. So I really do like the cycle map to help with that. Mm. It's not a must though for PCOS. Like if you do not have a cycle, you don't need to be doing a a Dutch test because your estrogen metabolism is not even going to be there, right? Because you don't even have estrogen. You have to have estrogen in order to have a cycle. Definitely.
0: All right. So I guess we've talked about like, what is PCOS, the different types, why it's so important to understand what type you are and how important the correct diagnosis is. I guess for our listeners at home, I think everyone wants to hear more about nutrition. So I'm going to do this in a sort of a fact versus fiction kind of way for you, Lacey. Um, The first thing that I read online all the time, I think is fiction is that PCOS people can't eat carbs, they can't eat gluten, they can't eat dairy, they can't eat sugar. What is the real evidence in science telling us around nutrition for these particular nutrients, gluten, dairy, sugar, and carbs.
1: We should only be avoiding what we have specific reactions to. So there's nothing wrong with gluten. There's nothing wrong with wheat. There's nothing wrong with dairy as long as you don't have an individual reaction to it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And even the things like dairy, it's like for a lot of people, it's just a lactose intolerance, isn't it? So they might feel a bit like bloated and gassy after dairy, but swapping to something simple like lactose-free yogurt or dairy could be you know, really properly absorbed and make them feel a lot better.
1: Yeah. And the dairy, the dairy is a whole like thing we could talk about. There's different types of dairy. Um, there's, there's alpha casein, there's beta casein. Some people do good with aged cheeses. Other people, um, you know, they could do Greek yogurt, but not regular
0: yogurt. It's just play around with what you feel good with. Yeah. It's so important because we know our bodies best, don't we?
1: Exactly. I know for me, I can't do conventional dairy. I break out like a mad pubescent teen. But if I have organic dairy, I do just fine. So you really have to play around with what makes you feel best? Yeah.
0: And I know I've talked on this podcast before about the different types of dairy just all around the world. Here in Australia, we have what I would consider some of the best dairy in the world. We don't, we heavily test for hormones and antibiotics and that sort of thing in our dairy. So I would say that Australians don't really need to worry about having things like organic dairy because we have some of the strictest regulations in the world around dairy. But I know that if I lived in America, I, like you, would 100% be having, you know, organic dairy if I could. So I think it also depends on like where in the world that you live and the regulations in your country. well around food standards and that sort of thing
1: yeah Yeah, and i like to say always look at added sugars like no matter what i don't care who you are you should be reducing your intake of added sugars because we know those are not good for us because well in excess because they don't have any nutritional value to them so that is the one thing you can avoid is well that trans fats and processed vegetable oils in high excess
0: Mm, absolutely, and also, are you are you of the same opinion as myself that just replacing added sugars with another type of sugar is kind of the same thing? Like people I, yes. go, "Oh, I didn't use white sugar, but I used um, maple syrup, or I didn't use you know cane sugar or brown sugar, but I used uh, honey," and it's like, but that's the same thing. But
1: they're the same; <laughs> they metabolize the exact same. Yes, honey might be antimicrobial but it's
0: still a sugar. And it's a very specific type of honey that may be antimicrobial as well, (laughs) not just every honey. Yeah. 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 All right. So we won't go down that rabbit hole.
1: Expensive kind. That's like $40 a
0: bottle. Yeah, Yeah. And even, I think I was reading the research the other day, you really have to apply it topically to the skin as well, to the wound itself to get the majority of the benefits. Just ingesting it actually won't give you too much benefit. So yeah, I'm sure our listeners can save a little bit of money at home from, from that as well. Anyway, next question for you, Lacey. Um, again, back to a women with PCOS can't lose weight. What's the real truth around this?
1: As long as you have healthy levels of thyroid hormone and you don't have estrogen dominance and your testosterone looks good, you can lose weight. As long as you've not also shot yourself in the foot and yo-yo dieted back and forth, you can lose weight. You just have to make sure that you have optimal hormones in order to do so.
0: Absolutely. And in the very and in our last podcast the very last thing you said was make sure that you get your mindset right. So yes. I think putting yourself in that box that I have PCOS, I can't lose weight. Again, that comes back to mindset and that story that you tell yourself and the more you tell yourself that, the more likely it is that that won't happen.
1: And women get the same way when, you know, there's there's a myth that you can't get pregnant with PCOS mm-hmm. and that is another myth I absolutely despise. That is the worst, trying to tell somebody that they can't get pregnant because that gets stuck in your head. Yeah. And then it's hard to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. You can get pregnant with PCOS. You can. It's just optimizing your health. hundred percent.
0: Yeah. This isn't a, a, a limiting condition, is it? There's so many, so many things that you can do to optimize your body and to optimize your health, even with this condition, isn't there? Diet, mindset, lifestyle. Yes. Wonderful. And my next fact or fiction for you, Lacey, women with PCOS just need to lose weight. They just need to exercise more and lose weight and that'll improve their PCOS. False.
1: What if you have a um, hypothalamic monorrhea? How is that going to help you? If you have low body fat, you're under eating, you're over exercising, then that's going to put you even more so into having a more irregular menstrual cycle. What if you have an adrenal imbalance and you have high or low cortisol? You're not going to be able to lose weight until you get your cortisol balanced. So that would just not be the smart thing to do at all. Um, losing weight might help if somebody has high testosterone levels high insulin levels, and excessive body fat
0: with inflammation. Mm -hmm. But other than that, no, it's not always going to be the case. Love it. Love that you put that myth to bed. And then my next one for you, and this one really irks me, is that birth control pills help regulate periods in women with PCOS. What is the fact or or the correct stance on this?
1: So birth control actually takes over your entire hpa axis <laughs> and it will take over your hormones so taking birth control does not regulate your cycle it takes over your cycle mm-hmm. so your body will no longer have its own endogenous production it will rely on the synthetic hormones and that's why coming off the pill you can have rebounds or you can have absolutely nothing be created for a long time because it takes that body a little while to wake up and start reguli- regulating like normal back on its own it diminishes symptoms. It's like putting a band aid on a cut that's open and never addressing the fact that you also have to heal the wound and seal the wound.
0: Absolutely. And then, my last fact or fiction for you women with PCOS need to take supplements.
1: Definitely not true. They can definitely help, hands down. I'm a big fan, like I said, of the inositol. but you do not need supplements in order to heal your PCOS. What you need is getting on top of your nutrition reducing stress and removing endocrine
0: disruptors. That's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And how, how important is sleep in terms of when we're looking at our health as holistic um, for people who may have PCOS? Is that something that you would see as top of the, top of the, I guess, like improvement holistic health chain as well? Is sleep something oh, yeah. that's incredibly important? Sleep yes. stress reduction.
1: I put sleep before working out, honestly, mm-hmm. because that's how important sleep is in our day-to-day life. If we don't get adequate sleep, our entire, our hormones are not going to work. Our immune system is going to go to crap. Our blood sugar is going to be crazy. We're going to be hungry all the time. We're not going to have any um, any mental clarity. We're not going to be able to think. So you have to, have to, have to get at least seven hours of sleep a night. And that includes hygiene, sleep hygiene practices, like blocking blue light and not having electronics in the
0: bedroom. Yeah. Sleep hygiene is so important, isn't it?
1: It is. It's the, it's very much an under um, undervalued component of managing your hormones is
0: sleep and sleep hygiene. Couldn't agree more. And then my last question for you, Lacey, we haven't really talked about gut health. That's such a huge thing that we could probably spend two hours talking about, but is there a link between PCOS and gut health? And what are some simple, even just like two or three things our listeners at home may be able to get started with from home in terms of um, gut health and PCOS?
1: I'm so glad you mentioned that because yes, definitely gut issues are linked to PCOS. Even so it's, um, I don't know the specific enzyme, but, but it's also like the mom, um, interuterine, like her gut health can impact baby's gut health and the development of her own PCOS is so interesting. But the best thing that you can do for your gut is avoid your, for, your own food intolerances, limit the amount of artificial sweeteners. I mean, you can have them in, in moderation, just don't have like 5 billion packets of, Steve, of like Splenda a day. So moderation really focus on those prebiotic foods that produce short chain fatty acids that help with your gut lining. So we want our gut lining to be like a door, letting the good guys in and keeping the bad guys out. Mm-hmm. So get those good prebiotics to help with that. That way we don't have the good guys and the bad guys coming into our bloodstream and causing some havoc. Make sure to wash your hands all the time. Wash your fruits and vegetables because you can get a lot of different um, bacterial infections and parasitic infections and like H. pylori from not washing you know, your hands all the time and putting and touching your mouth and things like that so hygiene please wash (laughs) your fruits and vegetables um and i'm a big fan of fermented foods as well so kefir sauerkraut sauerkraut pickled vegetables um organic dairy that's fermented with good sources of probiotics those are all great sources to help with your gut but the most important thing is fiber so getting at least 30 to 45 grams of fiber per day as much as you can till your gut hurts that's what i say
0: Love it. And for our listeners at home, um, who maybe this is the first episode they listen to on the podcast, we have a ton of episodes with some wonderful experts, gastroenterologists and that sort of thing on our podcast as well.
1: Oh, those episodes are fantastic. I've listened to
0: them. Yeah, we have multiple, multiple gut health episodes and really specific ones. Um, the one um, we did just last week was around fermenting foods. Um, we've also got ones on specifically just prebiotics We've also got ones on evidence-based gut health. So yeah, I love that you touched on this with its link to PCOS as well. But anyone wanting to deep dive further into gut health, please go back and there's probably 10 plus specific gut health episodes on the podcast as well. I love it.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been such a fun podcast.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. And thank you so much for just putting to bed so many myths around PCOS. It breaks my heart when people go, You've got PCOS, lose weight, or You've got PCOS, go on the pill. And it's like, it's, it's simply not that simple, is it? <laughs> no, it's not.
1: And I always, I'm going to say it to the day I die test, don't guess.
0: Yes, absolutely love it. And then, Lacey, finally, for our listeners at home, anything else that you'd like to add on PCOS or one thing that you would like to leave our listeners with that may benefit them? their health or, um, I guess, them long-term that you can think of that we haven't quite mentioned yet? Ooh, that's a good one.
1: Well, because I see PCOS commonly be tied with hypothyroidism, I would definitely just make sure you're checking your thyroid and making sure you have a good, healthy-looking thyroid. You're doing a full thyroid panel. And then I would also say, don't let your diagnosis become your life in your identity Mm. because a lot of people do oh i have pcos and they make them they they, they fall into that victim mindset don't do that to yourself pcos is just a part of who you are
0: it's not who you're going to be for the rest of your life and it's not your identity couldn't agree more yeah and you have control around your life and the things that you do with it and as we mentioned there are so many wonderful things you can do to optimize your health and your body isn't there
1: exactly yes
0: Awesome. All right, Lacey, thank you again so much for all your wonderful wisdom around these topics. Lastly, where can our listeners find you, reach out to you, or follow you on socials and also your wonderful podcast as well?
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. If you guys want to check me out, hit me a DM. Uh, my Instagram is at Faith and Fit. You can also find me on Twitter at Lacey A Dunn and my podcast is Uplifted Nutrition. And then I am coming out with my book, The Women's Guide to Hormonal Harmony. So I'm really excited about that, helping you to reclaim your health, your body, your hormones and master your metabolism. So get ready for that. And if you guys have any questions or want to hit me up for coaching, I do do coaching worldwide. You can go to UpliftFitNutrition.com.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Lacey. And just your ETO and your book, when's that sort of due to be released or are you allowed to say? That will be released
1: hopefully February, March. Um my publicist wants me to delay it, and I'm like, no. (laughs)
0: Like people need this.
1: Fingers (laughs) crossed. Yeah, they do. It what's funny is she has thyroid issues and autoimmune disease. And so she was stoked to read the book. And I was like, girlfriend, I wanna get this out now.
0: (laughs) yeah yeah like yesterday
1: (laughs) i know so sooner rather than later hopefully she has not emailed me back when i asked can we do two months instead of three months
0: i love it well listeners get ready for that it's gonna be epic i cannot wait to read that Lacey. oh my god it's gonna be epic thank you so much again for all the wisdom that you've imparted around listeners today um it's been incredible
1: thank you